Matthew 28. Hallelujah. Resurrection Sunday. He is alive. Jesus the Christ is alive and well. Hallelujah. Matthew 28. I'm going to be looking at verses uh, 1 through 8 starting off. If you're there, say amen. amen. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher or the grave. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you come to seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he had said. Come, see the place where the Lord laid. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he, go, he goeth before you in Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And he departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to the disciples the word. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hallelujah. And I'm going to be reading verses 17 through 23. It says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain or worthless. You are still in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ, or those who have died, believers in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept or have passed away. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruit, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Hallelujah. You know, a man, how many here have heard the name Lee Strobel? How many of you know who Lee Strobel is? All right. A man named Lee Strobel was an atheist when he took on the mission to discredit the Bible and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And during his investigation, he found so much evidence that confirmed the Bible, he became a Christian and has written several Christian books since. An atheist set out to do this. And he found so much evidence, he was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, he became born again. Hallelujah. He said this, it would have taken more faith to stay an atheist than to become a Christian because of the overwhelming evidence that confirmed the truth of the Word of God. Overwhelming evidence. See, the fact is, those who claim to be atheist or even agnostic simply have not read and honestly studied the Word of God for themselves. They just haven't. They just choose to stay ignorant. 
Because they don't want to fess up that they're a sinner and they need the Savior. That's what it is. And uh, so what's, what's an agnostic? For those of you who don't know, an agnostic is someone says, yeah, there's, there's a higher power. Or there's a God, you know, I think. They're, they're, you know, they're, an atheist says, there's absolutely no God. So it would take more faith to say that than all of the evidence. If, if there's someone here today who's atheist or agnostic, go and do the evan, uh, search the evidence for yourself. Search the word of God for yourself. Fact is, like I said, most of those people who claim to be atheist or agnostic, they probably never even cracked open a Bible long enough to get anything out of it. Amen? Billy Graham once said this, If I were an enemy of the Christian faith, I would try to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the resurrection is at the very heart of the Christian faith. Amen. That's Billy Graham. And in verse 14... Paul, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that if Christ didn't get raised from the dead, then our preaching, then our believing, our faith is worthless. It's in vain. If Christ didn't get resurrected, if he wasn't who he said he was, guess what? We're wasting our time this morning. But if he is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did, hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, then verse 19, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of men most miserable. Most miserable. So the foundation for our faith as Christians hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus had to be resurrected from the dead to complete his assignment to redeem mankind from their sin. Or at least, come on now, to make the provision for it. There's a nasty rumor going around in some cults that the whole world's just saved. They don't have to do anything. Jesus paid the price and that's it. You don't even have to believe in him. It says that he took the sin of the whole world, right? No, it's faith in Christ that gets you saved. He made the provision now, but you need to tap into that provision. Amen? Now, I want to give you a few points this morning that will strengthen your faith in the resurrection. That's what I want to do this morning. Just give you a few points that is going to strengthen your faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first one, it's obvious. There was an empty tomb. The tomb is empty. Now, one of the arguments of the skeptics is, is that the enemies of Jesus took the body. The enemies of Jesus must have went in there and just stole the body out. Well, that don't make sense. If the enemies would have taken his body, they would have shown the people his dead body and said, See, he's still dead. Right? Makes sense. Another lie of the devil is that the disciples stole Jesus' body. First of all, there were guards surrounding that tomb. Secondly, there was a huge stone in front of that opening of the grave. So it would not be an easy or quick task for them to do. So that's out of the question. The followers of Jesus would have never sacrificed their lives and possessions for what they knew was a lie. Think about that. People, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, went to their death confessing Jesus as Lord because they were so convinced that he was who he said he is and he was risen from the dead. 
And they wouldn't have done that if they knew it was a lie. You might say, yeah, but Pastor James, there's people in cults and false religions who die for their beliefs, right? How about these Al-Qaeda people, you know, these nuts who are flying into buildings? You got to understand something. Those people are deceived and actually think that what they believe is right. Okay, they, they don't, they, they're not thinking, oh, this is a lie, and I'm going to go kill my... They think that their way is the truth. You understand that? I'm talking about Jesus' followers. If they knew that what they believed really turned out to be a lie, they would have never died for such a cause. Let me ask you this, would you? What if you found out something that you believed... And then you found out, hey, this thing's a lie. Would you go to death for that lie? Absolutely not. I wouldn't. Amen. I wouldn't. But the apostles did. And followers of Jesus Christ all around the world today are going to their death, confessing Jesus as Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, I know that the resurrection took place. Because Satan and demonic spirits fight this truth of the gospel so hard on this earth. Out of all of the religions, Christianity is the one that is the most rejected and controversial on the face of this earth. There is an agenda on this earth to eliminate the truth of Jesus and the Bible. Let me ask you, who do you think is behind that motivation? I don't see, hey, why are they kicking Jesus out of the Bible, uh, Jesus out of the schools, and the Bible out of the schools, but they're allowing witchcraft to come in. Preach it. Amen? Why are they letting, uh, hey, th there's reports all over the place that all these cults and false religions, the schools saying, come on in. But when it comes to the Bible, no, you got to stay off the, off the government property. Who do you think is behind that mess? Ephesians 6.12 we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's talking about the devil, demonic spirits. Amen. Cults and false religions say that Jesus was just a good man, just a prophet from God, just a prophet. They reject that he was the son of God and is the son of God. They reject his deity and the truth of his resurrection. That's at the heart of every cult and false religion on this earth. They strip Jesus of his deity. Turn to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. It's got to be preached. It's got to be preached. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, I want to read. It says this, Beloved... So he's talking to Christians. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Well, how do we know who's the false and who's the true? Well, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, 
whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now, this is not talking about the Antichrist who's going to be coming at the end of the world. It's talking about a demonic spirit. See, notice it contrasts the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, contrasting it with a demonic spirit. How are you going to know the difference? You know it's the Holy Ghost when it, he, they confess that Jesus, you'll know someone's motivated by the Holy Spirit when they confess in their preaching that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You'll know it's an evil spirit if they come to you, Jehovah's Witness comes knocking on your door, the Mormons come knocking on your door, when they say that Jesus was just a good man. You'll know the difference. Don't you love the Word of God? Amen. Now, so I want you to notice that if a person confesses, that word confess literally means to agree with. To agree with. If a person confesses or agrees and speaks it, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they are of God. Listen to me. The word Christ, it's interesting here that it just doesn't say Jesus. If they confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, you notice that? It tacks on Christ on there. Well, what's so important about that? Because Christ, come on now, for those of you who don't know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> Christ is not Jesus. I, I used to think that. Doggone it. I used to think that. But I got straightened out, so I'm going to straighten whoever's out here who didn't know that. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. The word Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, the chosen one of God. So to say Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you are acknowledging him as the son of God, the Messiah, the chosen one who shed his blood to redeem mankind from their sin and resurrected by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's a big difference. Big difference. See, You'll hear all these psychics, they'll say, uh, you know, G they'll say the name Jesus, 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 and God, God, they'll throw it around like they're religious. But you ask them, do you believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Oh, you watch them, demonic spirits that are inside of them, they go nuts. They won't do it. They won't do it. They won't confess it. So Christ in that scripture is very important. Because it's signifying his title, that he is the chosen one of God, and not just a good man. Jesus wasn't just a good man. He was the God-man, the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Not just good man, God-man. Don't strip him of his deity this morning. Amen? Another proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the joy and devotion of the early church. If Jesus had not risen from the dead and appeared to them, they would have never turned from extreme sadness when they're watching Jesus get crucified, when they're standing there on Calvary. When they watch their master get crucified, bleeding profusely, being spit upon, that extreme sadness that overtook them, they never would have made the shift to extreme joy that happened. Come on now. That's a proof. And after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he was seen by Mary Magdalene, Cephas, the twelve. And in fact, he was also seen by more than 500 people at one time. A group of more than 500 people seen Jesus 
the, glory, the risen Christ after he was resurrected. Now, so people say, you know, well, we need proof. We need proof. The Bible's full of proof of people who seen Jesus with their own eyes and talked to him with their own mouth. Saul, who afterwards became the Apostle Paul, used to persecute believers. Remember that? Until he had an encounter with the risen and glorified Christ on the road to Damascus. You know, sometimes it takes a Damascus road experience to come to Christ. <laughs> I had one of those experiences, and maybe you have too. But look, Saul, someone who hated Christians, who went around persecuting them for their faith, who thought that this whole thing was a bunch of hogwash, had an encounter with the risen Savior. And he became a Christian, and he, he wrote most of the New Testament. How much more proof do we need? Paul became a Christian and took, and took severe persecution for the sake of the gospel. He would be filled with joy and singing praises to God in a prison cell, getting thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. That doesn't sound like someone who's just hanging on a string with evidence, amen? It sounds like someone who had a true encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's someone here today listening to me, someone here, someone on the radio, someone listening to me on the internet that needs an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to make him your Lord and Savior this morning. Another proof is that Jesus fulfilled every other prophecy given in the Old Testament and the prophecies about his resurrection is certainly no exception. Amen. Amen? All of the prophecies that were given, they were all fulfilled. That's why Jesus said on the cross, he said, it is finished. What do you mean, Jesus? That he came to do everything he had to do. He fulfilled everything. He fulfilled the law. Something, by the way, that if you're trying to get saved by works, forget it. It's not going to happen. If you're just going to try to get saved by works without Jesus, when you leave your body, you're going to end up in hell. Even though maybe you helped the poor. You know, you gave a lot of money to, to all these organizations. Uh, maybe you took people in your house. And Salvation starts with the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much works that you have done. In fact, you know what the Bible calls that? Dead works. It's dead works. It all begins, baby, with Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Another proof of the resurrection is that the promised Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost after Jesus' ascension into heaven. Go to Acts 1. Acts chapter 1. You know, Acts chapter 1 picks up this account in Acts, picks up after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does it not? Amen? And Jesus spoke these words about the coming of the Holy Spirit after his resurrection. Let's read it. The former treaties I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day that he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So, just to clarify, after Jesus was resurrected, he walked the earth 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven, okay? 
for those of you who don't know. Verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive. Let's look at that. To whom he, Jesus, showed himself alive after his passion by many, underline it, infallible proofs. In other words, you've got to be pretty stupid to miss this one. <laughs> Amen. Infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, when, when, uh, will you at, when will you restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But what are you supposed to know? Verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now Jesus this happened after his resurrection. Now, don't you think if Jesus didn't get raised from the dead, surely this promise wouldn't have come to pass because well, the people would have been delusional. Maybe they're just seeing a ghost of Jesus, right? No, the fact is that was Jesus who was risen from the dead. That was Jesus who said the promised Holy Spirit's going to come. And guess what? It came to pass. And what's the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses unto me. It's the Holy Ghost in the believer that, that gives the believer that conviction, yeah, th that the resurrection is true. And Jesus is who he says he is. And that's why there's missionaries getting their heads chopped off and not renouncing Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah, because we have the Holy Ghost inside of us crying out, Abba, Father. Calling out to our Heavenly Father. And if you're a Christian today, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, in your spirit. If you are a Christian and have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you are immersed, clothed, and filled with that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Go to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. We can't bypass this next element here. Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to read verses 9 through 20. Uh, yeah, Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven devils, or demons, and she went and told them that that had been that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, and had been seen of her, believed not. Even some of Jesus's followers didn't believe her. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believe they didn't believe him either. Look at that. Boy, the faithless generation there. Amen. <laughs> Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief. So we see Jesus showed up. He just appeared while they were eating. And he rebuked them for their unbelief. Hey, you know, I told you these things were going to happen. I told you I was going to raise from the dead. 
Why are you not believing me? He rebuked them. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, go, all, go into all the world and preach the gospel or good news to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils or demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, the ascension into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, who? The disciples. The disciples went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord, come on, working with them and confirming the word with signs following. He is still confirming the word of God with miracles, signs, and wonders. They have not been done away with. They're still happening in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Say, the devil and demons tremble at the name of Jesus and the word of God. And that would not have happened if Jesus' body would st was still in the grave today. Everything we believe hinges on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus' body was still in the tomb, there would be nothing to separate him from Muhammad or Buddha. But the tomb is empty. Go to Muhammad and Buddha's tomb or wherever it's at. I don't care, but... They're still in there, or their, their shell is. Because, now I want to give you this point. Because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, it guarantees every Christian the promise of eternal life. In John 14, 19, Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. He was talking to his believers. When the rapture takes place, we will be resurrected. The word of God says that the dead in Christ are those believers who passed away before the rapture. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and them that remain on this earth at that time shall be caught up in the air to meet him. Amen. Hallelujah. Because of the re resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Thessalonians 10 says that we will be delivered from the wrath to come. What's that wrath? Eternal wrath in hell. And the wrath that's to come upon this earth in the end times. How many of you know we're approaching the end times? The rapture could take place at any time. Are you ready? Are you, are you his? Or are you still a child of the devil? That's what the Bible calls an unbeliever, child of the devil. Well, no child of the devil is going to get caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? you got to come God's way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. Don't try to work it on your own. Man, don't you see it's been failing your whole life trying to work it on your own? Come on, let's wake up. It's only through Jesus Christ. Amen? Because Jesus was resurrected... Through faith in him, we can have victory over sin, the world, and the devil. Go to, go to Romans 7, 4 as I get ready to close here. Romans 7, 4. Oh, yeah. Because Jesus lives, 
We can have victory over sin, the world, and the devil on this earth. Too many people are pushing it away to glory days. You know, oh, when we get into heaven, everything's going to be great. You're missing the whole point. Jesus made a provision now for you to live a victorious life on this earth. The Word of God says that God has given these precious promises through Jesus Christ to us that we could be delivered from the corruption, the lust that's in this world to live a victorious life. Look at Romans 7, 4. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law. In other words, the law, meaning by works, you're dead to it. You know you can't work salvation on your own apart from Jesus. You're dead to it. Dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. See, if you are a Christian, you have been liber liberated from sin, the world and the devil. Now, there's many Christians out there who aren't living godly lives who are back into bondage into sin. There's Christians out there who don't know about the healing message, and they're living with things in their body that they ought not to be, because Jesus made that provision too. So... If you're a Christian, you've been liberated from sin, the world, and the devil. It's like you sitting in a, in a jail cell, a prison cell, and the door's open. All you need to do is walk out. But too many Christians are sitting in that prison cell crying. And Jesus is saying, just take my word and get out of this prison cell. Amen? We've been liberated from sin, the world, and the devil to be able to live a victorious life on this earth. Or as that scripture says, to bring forth fruit unto God. What does that mean? It means that you are liberated to live a life that's pleasing to God. You're liberated from sin. All a sinner knows how to do is sin because of that sin nature that, that's in their heart, that's in their spirit. But when Jesus Christ comes in, the Holy Ghost comes in, he washes that sin nature away. That's called the born again experience. And now you have a choice as a Christian. Are you going to follow the ways of God or are you going to backslide and go back into your sinful ways? If you're going back on your sinful way, into your sinful ways, you're walking on thin ice. Only God knows when you've crossed that line and lost your salvation. Amen? This once saved, always saved junk is, is a farce. You know, all that does is gives people a license to sin. That they think they can just say one sinner's prayer and they go out and live like the devil and think they're going to heaven for eternity. Jesus said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we cast out devils in your name? Haven't we prophesied in your name? And he'll turn to them and say, depart from me, depart from me. I never knew you. See, it's not about just coming to church. Oh, that's very important in your Christian life. It's about relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What's your relationship like? I'll tell you this. If you're married and you don't talk to your wife very much, I venture out to say you have a bad relationship and you're miserable at home. You can't. Amen? What's your relationship like with God? He wants your relationship. He wants your fellowship. He wants you to live for him on this earth. Amen? So get all these religious mindsets out of your head. 
It's about relationship. Amen? It's not about doing 10 Hail Marys and, and uh, whatever, and hey, you're, you're in, you know, oh, let's buy an indulgence here, you know, so I can guarantee my way into heaven, get my way out of purgatory. Baloney! That's not in the Word. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. St. Paul, St. Peter, St. Cornelius, they're up in heaven right now. Don't be praying to them, amen? It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Turn to John 20, John chapter 20. God's not interested in man-made traditions. Amen. The Word says your traditions, the traditions of men that are outside of the Word, it makes the Word, it makes the, uh, the word of God have no effect in your life. You're short-circuiting the power of God by holding on to things that aren't in the Word. John 20, verse 24 through 31. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of his nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then, Jesus, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. So Jesus just appeared in the midst of them. He could do that because he had a glorified body. Then Jesus, uh, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Well, that's interesting Jesus said that, isn't it? You would think that Thomas being able to do that, that, it, that would spark faith in him. But it's interesting. Miracles can happen. People can see miracles and they can still be faithless. Amen. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Come on. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus do in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Why are they written? What's the purpose of them? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Amen. Blessed are those who believe what? That he is the Son of God. He was resurrected from the dead. Romans 10. Go there. Romans chapter 10. For those of you who are listening to this message, you might, and you're not Christians, you might be getting a little hot under the collar. Well, get used to it, because if you don't make Jesus Lord of your life, it's going to get a lot hotter than that in eternity. Right. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession, agreement is made unto salvation. You have to believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead to be saved. 
It's amazing. There's churches out there who actually say the resurrection didn't even happen. And they call themselves Christian churches. Forget about it. They're on a one-way road to hell without believing in the crucif without believing in the resurrection. Amen? Thomas didn't doubt after he was able to physically touch Jesus' scars. But guess what? You don't have that luxury. You need to base your faith on the word of God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a decision to make today. Because tomorrow may be too late. You need to come to Jesus. If you're backslidden, you need to come back to Jesus. And I want to invite Laura to come on up here. She's going to sing a song for us this morning called Come to Jesus. Sometimes the way is lonely, it's deep and filled with pain. For if your sky is dark and pours down the rain, then cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, and then. Then 
all stand in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood on that cross. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for raising him from the dead. That amazing grace, that amazing love that you have shown to this world. You didn't have to send him. We could have just been in our sin and sin and just vanish off the face of the earth and lived in hell for eternity with the devil and his angels. But you sent that provision. And we thank you for it. Now, if there's anyone, anyone in this place that has never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to come to this altar, and I want to pray with you this morning. You don't know. Maybe maybe you did before, and you just, you don't know if it was for real. You, you, you didn't have a no-so experience. If that's you, I want you to come down here. But if that's you, and you, you know you're not a Christian, and you don't come down to this altar, I'll tell you this. I wash my hands of it. You can't turn to me on judgment day and say, you never told me about Jesus. It's now in your power. What are you going to do with the Savior? Receive him or reject him? If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to leave this altar open. I want you to come down by this piano and I want to pray with you to make him Lord of your life today. Maybe there's a summon here. You've been a Christian for a while. But you're backslidden. You're one of those that you did it a long time ago. You've fallen away. And today you want to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why not a better day than today? On the day that we celebrate the resurrection. Amen. If you would like to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to come down by this piano. And I want to pray with you to rededicate your life. And get back in right standing with God. Maybe there's some here that you've been a Christian for a while, but you've never received that experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is a second experience apart from salvation. 
And the purpose is to be a powerful witness for Jesus. And of course, there's more benefits than just that. He helps you more and more in your everyday life. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want you to come down to this altar by the piano and I want to pray with you. Now, maybe you need a healing in your physical body. Maybe you just need prayer for something. Maybe you're having a hard time with your marriage, a hard time in your life, something. Maybe you got depression, maybe emotional healing you need. Whatever it may be, I want you to come down here and I want to pray with you. For the rest of you, just listen as this song plays. Lift your hands to him and thank you. The angels are rejoicing this morning. The angels in heaven are rejoicing this morning over one soul that comes to Jesus. They're rejoicing right now.
are still open. It's not too late.
Father, I pray for every person in this audience right now. Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Ghost would touch every heart, quicken every heart, Father God, in the name of Jesus. For those who don't know you, Father God, who ought to, Father, I pray that you would deal with them. Lord, that you would reveal yourself in a powerful way to them, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I command the blinders to come off of your heart in the name of Jesus right now. The blinders that are leading you on a one-way road to hell. Father, minister to them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Resurrection Sunday. Chris, go ahead and start 13. We're going to close it out with this song, and you guys are free to leave. You have a blessed week. Visitors, thank you for coming today. Come on back. Join us. Listen to the radio broadcast Sunday mornings at 100.9. Uh, come to the healing meeting Wednesday night. We have Bible study. Go out and be blessed in Jesus' name.
Nothing will ever change that dream.